Hello, everybody, and welcome to Turn to Page, the double feature bonus episode. I stole it. I'm sorry. It's <gasps> it's Animorphs Alternomorphs 2. I just didn't know where to go with that sentence. I had nowhere. I needed a life raft. I needed a, That's okay. a, a life preserver. Uh, Animorphs Alternomorphs number two, the next passage, uh, mm. which, hey, how are you doing today, Raps? You excited to do this again? I, I am, legitimately, especially because I'm I'm aware that uh, not all of the decisions that we are going to be making in the upcoming book are just going to be morph to this, morph to this, or morph to this, and two yeah. of them kill us and one of them does not. And I am intrigued by the possibility. Also, you know, now the Animorphs as a world is a little bit more familiar to me, and I imagine we're going to yeah. see a lot of the same characters around. It'd be nice to experience some kind of consistency, something that we didn't often get yeah. except for, you know, 30 books apart in the previous series. And even that was like, were these characters, were these characters really the same? Like, they, exactly. there was like one character that was the same and the general premise of the location. Yeah, no, there's a couple. So yeah, it'll be nice to see that kind of like, that little morsel of um, continuous storytelling. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I, I do think this will take place, like, right after. So, hey, who knows? Uh, we'll see. But, again, with the, as far as the cover goes, we don't have a lot to say on this one, unfortunately. It's not... There's not as much uh, exciting things going on in the cover as there would be in a normal Animorphs, mind you, or the Give Yourself mm. the Goosebumps book. Do you want to say what the... I guess, here, do you want to say what the secret message is? Because they probably can't see it from... Even if they are looking at the thumbnail and stuff like that. The secret message, reader. Yeah? I don't know the secret. Oh. All right, well, let's keep going then. <laughs> we shall uh, not. The secret message, of course, is be sure to drink your Ovaltine. That is indeed the case. <laughs> Actually, the secret message is, ah! Because <laughs> it's, it's a, the joke is it's a hawk made out of a bunch of A's. And then there is a little secret message hidden in the hawk that says, know the secret that's that is the secret message uh but hey we we do have an actual extra and pretty meaty introduction page once again you want to take us there absolutely introduction my name is rachel who am i just a kid a kid with divorced parents and two little sisters i go to school i do my homework just hang out with my friends If you saw me, I bet you wouldn't look twice. Just another suburban mall rat. Nothing special. Funny how that sounds like an insult. I bet you hate being ordinary. I bet you long for someone to make you feel different and special. You're probably just waiting for something exciting to happen to you. Be careful what you wish for, though. One night, something exciting did happen to me. I was given a weapon. A wonderful and awful weapon. The ability to morph, to change from an average kid into an animal, into a bird or an insect. Only five human beings possess this weapon. Me, Cassie, my best friend, Jake, my cousin and our leader, Marco, our personal clown, and Tobias, our lost soul. Five humans unique (laughs) in all the universe. Guess that makes us pretty special. But along with the power to morph came a mission. Save the world. I'm not kidding. This is no joke. See, Earth is being invaded by the Yurks. Aliens with weak, repulsive bodies. Slugs, like parasites. 
The Yerks want our human bodies, our strong legs and hands, our sensitive ears, mouths, and eyes. They're taking over human hosts, entering their brains, controlling them, and rendering them utterly helpless. So we fight. The five of us humans and Axe, an alien kid. An Andalite. The Andalites battle the Yerks throughout the galaxy, a war on too many fronts. One day, the Andalites may send reinforcements to Earth. Until then, we fight alone. Each battle changes us, transforms us on the inside as much as on the outside. War is not a video game. Oh. In a real war, you make desperate decisions and deal with desperate consequences. <laughs> you spill blood and your blood gets spilled. You brush up against death. You change. You're warped until being average and ordinary again is an impossible dream. Uh -huh. What would you do if you were given the chance to be different, unique, extraordinary? If someone offered you the ability to morph, would you take it? And if you did take it, how long do you think you would survive? This is your chance to find out. But I'm warning you. Think about it first. Think deeply. Ask yourself. Can you handle it? God, that's metal. Oh, you you spill blood and your blood gets spilled. You brush up against death. You change your warped until ever being average and ordinary again is an impossible dream. Right there on the shelf next to Junie B. Jones and <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, um, learn all about pugs. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, uh, dang, that is that is such a meaty and uh, and brutal one. I think that that really does it puts it into perspective, kind of the big difference between animorphs being for kids and goosebumps being for kids. It's it draws yeah. the line kind of at like spilling blood mm -hmm. <laughs> and impossible dreams of you know. Not fearing death anymore. It's just, it's, wow. I will say, like, specifically that passage as well. You spill blood and your blood gets spilled. You brush up against death. You change. You're warped until ever being average and ordinary again is an impossible dream. That fragment could easily be from, you know, uh, uh, Eldritch uh, yeah. novel text. Something of cosmic horror, certainly. I, I learned, I think, I could be wrong on this. But I, when I was looking into Animorphs a bit, um, the author, I think, was like very, very interested in making a book that explored how like cool and wonderful animals are and sharing that with teens. And I think mm -hmm. it was like her husband was really into sci-fi. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that there's like a there was like a kind of a, a mix in that way that really explains just truly the unique one of a kind flavor of what Animorphs mm -hmm. is. It really does feel whether or not that's true. I'm going to accept it as Canon because it, it explains the situation. Well, to me, it feels like two very disparate flavors mashed into the same thing, much like a, you know, teenage boy and a red tail hawk. <laughs> Mm -hmm. mashed into one you know, <laughs> I, I'm gonna go one further yes 
Not only will I accept that reasoning, I'm going to backtrace that reasoning on anything else that has two disparate elements that I don't necessarily yes. see the joiner of. This is to say, as far as I'm concerned, Transformers was made by a couple, one of whom liked cars, the other of whom liked robots. <laughs> exactly. Uh <laughs> Reese's were made by a uh, couple. One who liked chocolate, one who liked peanut butter. They're like, I guess. Oh, sorry, I thought it was one who liked Reese, one who liked pieces. Yeah, there you go. Uh, either way, we should get into the book. Chap chapter one here. Let's do it. Uh, the new kid. You know the part. Played it half a dozen times. Your first day at a new school, the kids give you curious glances if you say hi. Most don't. A concerned teacher assigns some suck-up to show you around. Help you find the cafeteria and the bathrooms. The only kids paying attention to you are the ones you wish would leave you alone. Losers. Too friendly types. The normal ones are too busy with their lives to worry about some new kid. Lunch. You eat it alone at the corner of some cafeteria table. Can't wait to get out of here. To get off somewhere by yourself and blow off some steam. The final bell is salvation. You head out on foot exploring your new town. Not so different from the last one. Dunkin' Donuts. Burger King. Walmart, check please. Home Depot, check please. A mall with the usual stuff inside. Miss Fields, The Gap, Express. I'm teleported. Oh, this is hitting me. Um, you don't want to go in there. Don't want to face another crowd of strange faces. Instead, you dodge traffic and head into an abandoned construction site. On one end, a highway, bands of trees on either side. On the far end, a broad field, a deserted place, a ghost town. A great place to be alone. You kick around for ten minutes, exploring, checking out the big piles of rusted steel beams, pyramids of concrete pipes, deep pits filled with black and muddy water, a pile of gravel, rocks the size of a Reese's cup. <gasps> you pick one up and let fly. Thwonk. The rock hits a concrete block with a satisfying noise. After a couple dozen throws, your aim even starts to improve. Thwonk, thwonk, thwonk. You land three rocks in a row right in the same spot in the concrete. When the third hits, the concrete crumbles. Weird. Stuff's usually pretty strong. Whatever. Time to head home. Dinner with mom and dad. Homework. Then the same old grind tomorrow. <laughs> same old throwing rocks at concrete grind tomorrow. <laughs> maybe, maybe tomorrow someone will talk to you. You're, you're headed out of a lot when you see it. Wait, what? Sorry. Maybe tomorrow someone will talk to you. The only kids who pay attention to you are losers who won't yeah, leave you alone because they're too friendly. So this person doesn't even consider them human. Never mind. Yeah, it's it's a self in, self inflicted problem, really. Mm -hmm. But hey, you're heading out of the lot when you see it. A small box nestled down inside the concrete block that fell apart. Sky blue, very plain, small, maybe five inches to each side. Something about it draws you closer. You glance over your shoulder before you yank it out of the block. The box feels very heavy for its size. You feel something when you pick it up. Something like an electric charge. Only it's not painful. You hold the thing up to the fading light. There's something written on it. Not English or any language you recognize. Maybe it's Greek or Egyptian. You slip the box into your book bag. The thing looks valuable. You wonder how much you can get for it on the internet. As soon as you get home, before dinner even, you post a few messages... The blue box is available to the highest bidder. <laughs> okay. And that's the end of the story. We sell the thing that turns you into funny animal. The end. <laughs> I gotta admit, though. All right. I that's mean... a, more realistic. 
that's more realistic than the first like the reaction to the first scenario in in the other alternative yeah is if you're a teen you're like oh my god what is this i'm gonna sell it on ebay that is such a <laughs> like if i if i was throwing rocks at concrete and i found something blue and shiny i'd be like oh my god i can buy so many Yu-Gi-Oh packs if i sell I mean, this this would have been contemporary to the period of time of hearing about the person who traded the red paperclip ultimately for a house if I see yes. a blue box, I'm like, ooh, I'm oh. like three steps along this chain already. <laughs> exactly. I don't have to worry about a paperclip. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't need to, I don't need to go to the coupon step. I don't need the uh, <laughs> the free <laughs> the year of free back rubs. I can go straight. I don't to have the... to trade for vintage uh, Garfield memorabilia from 1981. So you mean the final step? <laughs> You're right. Sorry, that's what the house goes for that's ultimately. The... <laughs> you trade the house. <laughs> Honey, I have great news. <laughs> I have just invested our house into this. Hands <laughs> gesture. Much Garfield. Oh, hell yeah! I agree with this decision. <laughs> I, and this is why we're together. We both love Garfield. <laughs> More than being alive. <laughs> I mean, those people deserve one another. They do. That they are the byproduct. What they create is Garfield. One half likes Garfield. The other half likes Garfield. They just make more Garfield. <laughs> they they made Garfield a tale of two kitties. Um. Okay. Day two at the new school. Some guy named Marco insists on eating lunch with you. So I will say, interesting note. We are a different character than the first book. That is yes. that is of note. Not much better than eating alone, Root. You can't wait to get home. That morning, there was already an answer to the for sale notices you posted on the internet. A guy says he wants to see the box. Says he'll pay good money. You wrote him an email, set the timer on the computer so that you get your address right before you got home. Last period, you rush out of the building. Get home early and do your business. One problem... You're in the door about two seconds when you know something's wrong. Your dad's home early, you can hear him talking to someone upstairs, and it doesn't sound good. You take the stairs two at a time, bound into your room, and your dad is point standing feet wide, pointing his service revolver at something. Something about the size of a retriever with eight stumpy legs, blue and tan fur, a scorpion tail, and two arms. This thing is alive, growing and changing right before your eyes. Whoa! You say? Uh, I think it's some kind of alien. Your father explains. Ah, oh, an alien? <laughs> no way! Yes way. You freeze, amazed. The voice is coming from inside your head. What's even weirder is it sounds vaguely familiar. Listen to me. The voice continues. Things are about to get really ugly around here. The two of you need to hide. Hide? <laughs> Why do we need to hide? You demand. Because the alternative is to be dead. Ding dong. The doorbell's ringing. Your father doesn't flinch. He's military trained. He still has the gun on the thing. It stopped growing and changing. Now it resembles a blue and tan deer with a wicked scorpion tail. The tail's definitely a weapon. Idiotically, you're wondering if the door is for you. <laughs> Wow! Could the buyer be for the blue box? Then, blam, blam! Your father's shooting! At what? Flap. 
The alien swings his tail and the gun goes flying. So does one of your father's fingers. Hey! You cry. Ah! Your father yells. Crunch. Downstairs, the door explodes into splinters. There's a severe house-shaking pounding as many large feet run up the stairs. Your knees are rubber. Your bowels jelly. Okay. Hmm. Knees, knees rubber, bowels spaghetti. Bowels jelly. <laughs> <laughs> knees weak, arms spaghetti, knees rubber, bowels jelly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Bow, your bowels jelly. You and your father stare as two creatures leap into the room. They have feet like a T-Rex, necks like snakes, large bird-like beaks, and three dagger-like horns protruding out of their foreheads, bent back legs, and very long arms. A curved horn blade on each wrist and elbow, more blades poking out of the knees and off the end of the tails. They remind you of the monsters from where the wild things are. Uh... What are they? I told you to hide, says the voice in your head. The wild things are joined by another blue deer alien. Something about him sends a chill up your spine, and somehow you know he's dangerous. Get, get out of here, you yell. Get out of here, the blue deer alien says. Why, you've hurt my feelings. I just received your primitive transmission, and I rushed right over. You... Wait, you, sorry, you want to buy the blue box? You stammer. Oh, yes, definitely. The alien says. I do, I do. And I'm willing to pay anything. Let's see, what could I offer you for that box? Oh, I know. He whips his tail and presses the blade against your father's throat. I'll pay you your father's life. <laughs> this, I will say... Thematically, this one is putting the first one to shame, and I thought that the first the first one we read was a bit darker. And I'm here for mm -hmm. it. I they turned the notch up by ten, and I didn't think that's what I needed, but that's what I needed. <laughs> we might be orphaned before chapter four. Let's go, chapter three. <laughs> you are not getting this blue box, says the other blue deer alien. You're confused. You just assumed all of the blue deer aliens were working together. Then this human will be separated from his head. I understand that's usually fatal in humans. Sudden movement. Your father jerks his head back away from the alien's tail blade. You run straight at the alien, alien yelling. Let him go! Flap, flap. The two deer aliens are fighting with their tails. The wild things move forward. Blades flash. Your posters fly. Your curtains tear. The books scatter. Blam, blam. Blam! Your father's in the corner, firing his gun with his left hand. He usually can't even hold a fork in that hand, but three circles appear in a wild thing's chest, and down he goes. Then... A throaty roar. You turn to look, and an enormous grizzly bear is coming through your bedroom door, and behind the bear is a huge orange and black tiger. You're crying and laughing all at once. This is insane. You wonder if you're going nuts. And suddenly you gag, heave. You're going to be sick. Maybe it's fear, but you're definitely freaking out. You turn your back on the wild, insane violence, and run for the toilet. You're just kneeling down on the tile when... Crash. One of the wild things comes through the wall like a load of bricks. 
He leaps up, shakes himself off, and hops through the wall to rejoin the fight. Forget throwing up. Time to listen to the voice in your head and hide. You climb into the bathtub and cower. The wall between the ba- bathroom and the bedroom is re- reduced to smashed two-by-fours and torn sheetrock. I did not know that sheetrock was a brand until now. Hmm. Hmm. Or maybe, maybe it's just capitalized wrong. You can see glimpses of the battle raging in your bedroom. Your father crawls in. He wedges himself between the tub and the toilet. He follows the action in the next room, wildly pointing his gun here, there. One of the deer aliens begins to change. His skin and fur turn purple. His shoulders bulk out, two legs shrivel and disappear. The others grow bigger and stronger. Forearms sprout out, two from each shoulder. The arms are wrinkly down in the place where the hands should be. <laughs> and instead of hands, there are bony red points. The wrinkled skin at the bottom of the arm zooms right out like a rocket. The cone hits the remaining deer alien and knocks him to his knees. Instantly, the cone re- hand re- the cone hand retracts and wrinkles up, ready to fire again. Now, let's make it as simple. Comes a commanding voice in your head. I want the blue box. I will have the blue box. Or all of you will die. You scramble to your feet. The box is in your backpack. Fine! You shout. I'll give you the box, just leave us alone! No! Another voice in your head. You have no idea where this voice is coming from, but you know this message is meant for you. Listen to me! The new voice says urgently. I'm on your side. We can get you out of here alive, but whatever you do, don't give up that box! What do you do? You turn over the box or you refuse? I mean, take the side of the person who cut my dad's fingers off? Or... Only one! Only one of the fingers! Well, who knows at this point? <laughs> it's true. We There could have been anything happening in the intervening time. We know one finger has gone canon. One finger is canonically missing. We could be missing any appendage, any number, because mm. it just hasn't been listed. Who knows? We could be dead. Didn't say we, we're not. Uh, do you, it seems like it doesn't make any sense for us to turn over the box. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the more use. aggressive person has asked me to turn over the box, so I will disagree with them. Yeah, I'm a rebellious little teen. We threw rocks at a um, at concrete, so we're not the type to listen to authority. <laughs> we took down a building in three shots. <laughs> it's true. No! You say defiantly. The box is mine! Attack! Says an awful commanding voice in your head. No, wait! You say. But it's too late. The terrible purple nightmare monster, the wild things, the deer alien, the bear, and the tiger are all focusing on you. You back against a tile wall, getting as far away from them as possible. The grizzly moves first. It bellows, lowers its head, lands on all fours, and runs straight at you. Like a runaway train behind the grizzly, you see heat-seeking missiles come with two massive cone hands. They're heading straight towards you. You close your ears. You close your eyes. But you can't close your ears. <laughs> whoom, whoom, wham, crunch. You open your eyes. The cone hands missed. Yes, and then, whomp. A mountain of bear sweeps you <laughs> up and shoves you through the shattered plaster and glass. For one stunned second, you're flying. You can see in the evening sky a tree branch. You windmill your arms and then 
wham. The air explodes from your lungs as you hit the ground. Your spine crunches. Teeth slam together. You fall backwards and your head hits the ground. Whoomp. Blackness. You wake up amidst the smell of hay, medicine, and animal poop. You're surrounded. Five kids standing around you in a circle. Solemn, tired-looking kids. One of them looks familiar. You're Marco. You say with a little laugh. We had lunch together today. Marco nods and gives you a little wave. The others introduce themselves, Jake, Cassie, Rachel, and Axe. They explain about the Yerks, about the invasion. You learn some vocabulary, like Phoebe. The wild things are called hork The deer aliens are Andalites. What about my mom and dad? What are they called? You, <laughs> you ask. Marco walks over and stands right in front of you. Your parents have been taken to a secret underground facility called a yurt pool? Uh, picture a sludgy cesspool upon the color of molten lead. hork warriors will drag your parents to the end of a pier and they'll... Marco! Cassie says angrily. They'll drag him to the end of their pier and they'll kick their legs out from under them and force their heads into the sludge. You stare as Marco drones on. His words stab you in the gut. You don't absorb it all, but you understand that your parents are slaves of the saddest sort. An intense anger hits you. A desire to strike back, to send these yerks back to wherever they came from. You want to save your parents, you have to. It's too late to help your parents. Jake says quietly. As of now, you have no home, and you can't get back to school. You do, and the yurts will find you. And it'll be you taking a long walk down that steel pier. Your mind can't grasp it. You try to argue to convince yourself it's just a trick, but they prove it to you. Axe, a disturbingly pretty boy, turns into an even more disturbing-looking alien. What? <laughs> what you now know is an Andalite. There is one nice thing about all this, Cassie says. There's a compensation for all the danger and all the fear. So any animal you can touch, you can become like a dolphin or a skunk or a wolf, an elephant or a grizzly bear, Rachel says. A gorilla, a shark, Marco says. A tiger, a fly, a cockroach. <laughs> Are there any more animals out there? I, Jake says. Any animal, any size, but only for two hours at a time. You can never stay in more for two hours long, for more than two hours, sorry. Why? You wonder. And then you meet Tobias. He was trapped in his red-tailed hawk morph. Now he lives his life as a bird of prey. They give you a few hours to think about it. I've got to be honest, they've explained more about the intricacies of everything in this book than they did in the first. They introduced Axe to us. They explained why Tobias is stuck in Hawk form. Like, mm -hmm. this is the second book in the Alternomorphs, and they did a lot more to fill in the gaps that if we if we didn't just already know them, it would have been nothing. Legitimately, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, let's see. Why you meet Tobias? They give you a few hours to think about it. You take a walk in the woods behind Cassie's farm. You try and think, but your mind refuses to track. Your jaw hurts, your back aches. Keep thinking about your parents. It's unreal. The whole world's shattered, ruined. You feel hopeless as you head back to the barn. The others are waiting for you. I'm ready, you say. Someone produces the box. Your box. The box that destroyed your life. They toss it to the alien. Rest your hand on the square nearest to you, he tells you. 
You step forward and press your hand down on the cube. <laughs> it tingles, you say. You may remove your hand now, the alien says. You do, thinking that the experiment has failed. You don't feel any different. The others are guarded, but they smile and shake your hand. I want to try it, you say. Cassie leads you into a horse stall. Put your hand on his neck, she tells you. The horse turns and gives you a surprised look. Then he ignores you, going back to eating his hay. His fur feels rough and warm. Focus your mind, Cassie says. See the horse in your imagination. Think about him, about what he is, what he represents. Uh, homework for those at home. What does a horse represent to you? <laughs> please, please call in. Call in. Comment below. What is Answers a horse? On a Answers on a postcard. Uh, what does a horse represent to you? What, is it, what does a horse represent to you, refs? Freedom. So I know that yeah. like a lot of people who lived in country towns represent, uh, or like the idea of getting their driver's license or getting a car represents true independence and freedom. However, I'm a bit more old-fashioned, and as far as I'm concerned, those cars are newfangled devices that are really just gonna fade out in a couple of years. Yeah. I get my it's horsepower bad. the good old way. One horsepower per unit. Yep. <laughs> One horsepower. One horse powered. Uh, for me, exactly. they represent rippling muscles. Have you seen like a racehorse's Ooh, yeah. thigh? Ooh, it's ridiculous! Wow, <laughs> jacked as hell. <laughs> Dang, man! All right, um, you close your eyes and concentrate, thinking about the rippling muscles. Now, take your hand away, Cassie says softly. You have the horse inside you. His DNA is now in your blood. You can become him. Try it. This is ridiculous. You think. But you have to be sure. You close your eyes. Imagine a horse. Muscles. Nothing happens. All you feel is a little itching. A distant sensation in your legs. <laughs> your eyes jolt open. The horse is panicking, rearing up, uh, nickering just a foot away. When you look down, you understand why. Your chest, your hands, are covered with sleek brown fur. You can see your hair flowing around your waist, but it doesn't look like your your hair. It looks like a horse's mane. Ah! You scream. <laughs> Watch out, Rachel says. I I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm... Oh right! Discord gate. Yes, apologies. Oh no, I thought it was a Discord gate. No, I just I just Dang it. it. Watch out! Yeah, Rachel says. She pulls you out of the stall, away from the panicked horse. You'd stumble back blindly, mesmerized by the sight of your feet exploding out of your shoes, growing, rounding, turning into hooves, your body getting longer, heavier, whoomph. You fall forward onto all fours. The horse's mind creeps in. It's nervous, frightened. Not as frightened as your own true mind. Cassie leads you out of the pasture, out into the pasture. It's gray and raining, but the fresh air quiets the horse's mind, and without thinking, you begin to run. It's amazing. You feel strength flowing into your legs, your back. Hey, what did I say? More power than you've ever known. Horse power. You run until your coat is sleek with sweat and rain, until your slender legs tremble with exhaustion. Your anger over your parents gives you an intense adrenaline rush. That's enough! Cassie yells. Don't let the morph control you. You, can for you can't forget your two-hour time limit. Suddenly, you have a new fear. How will you ever undo these changes? Will you ever be human again? Will you be back at the barn and focus on your own body? You almost cry with relief when the changes begin. 
The others are waiting, watching you curiously. So, how was it? Rachel asks. <laughs> Fun. You admit. Cassie smiles at you. Morphing isn't a game. Jake says darkly. No. You agree. It's a weapon, and I'm ready to fight the Yicks. It can be fun once. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It can be fun a little. A little bit. It was so fun Tobias became a bird about it. <laughs> Why don't you be a bird forever about it? <laughs> the pleasure fades out of Cassie's face. A weapon. Yeah, I guess that is what morphing's for. A weapon that we can share now that we have the blue box. Jake points out. You feel their attention slip and shift and lock on this new topic. They debate about using the blue box to make an army of animorphs. Try and follow. But it's like when your parents talk politics or discuss the stock market. You don't really know enough to have an opinion and nobody asks what you think. It's not, hey, let me tell you, kid. You don't always grow out of it. I'm with you. <laughs> Jake, Rachel, Marco, and Cassie do most of the talking. Axe offers an occasional opinion. Tobias is mostly silent. He's in his red-tailed hawk form. Can he be in something else? <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm not trying I don't to. Like, think he can? No. I don't think he can. But like, can he shift from hawk into different animal? I would assume no. I, yeah, you're right. It should just say he is a red-tailed hawk of <laughs> yeah. the Walters. Yeah, it's just like that. It's just. It's needlessly cruel to him. He's <laughs> he's in his mistake of a form up in the rafters. Exactly. <laughs> Let him adapt. In fact, add additionally, he cannot currently access his human form. If ever again. <laughs> he, he currently can't and never will ever again be a human. He is currently a red-tailed hawk up in the rafters. And even though he doesn't say much, you somehow f never forget he's there. You feel left out. The six of them, they're obviously a tight group. You suddenly hope the others use the blue box again and again. Then you won't be the only outsider. The rain is plinking on the barn roof, and the animals are rattling in their cages, and Tobias is preening, and Rachel's voice is rising as she argues a point. And Mark is rolling his eyes at her when... It all stops. All of it. Every sound, silence, the rain, silence, the animorphs in their debating process, poses... Frozen. The barn full of animals stopped dead. Frozen, still, motionless, everything, and everyone, everywhere, all at once, except for you. You look up at Tobias. He has one talon off the rafter, wings half open for stability, frozen in an impossible pose, and slowly, cautiously, you move to the door. Raindrops hover in the air, you're frightened and amazed. It's as if the whole world were a video and someone hit pause. You feel small and powerless and terribly alone, and somehow forgotten. Yo! Have an overwhelming desire to stand still, <laughs> to blend in with the new frozen world. A raccoon stands up on its hind legs. You jump about two feet, especially when the raccoon walks through the wire cage. Simply passes through the bars like they're air. The raccoon lumbers to you, puts one black and white paw on your knee. He looks into your eyes and says, I am Elimist. Are you an alien? You ask. In a manner of speaking, did you stop everything? You ask. Yes. How? You ask. From your perspective, I am an all-powerful being. Human perspective, however, is extremely limited. 
You stopped the rain? Yes. You relax a hair. Almost. Almost. This, this Elemist, whatever it is, doesn't seem to mean you any harm. Why? <laughs> you ask? Because you have angered me. You feel a chill crawl through your body as the sunlight blinks out. You're in total darkness, floating in a featureless void, no up, no down, and the Elemist voice comes from everywhere at once and from nowhere. I, I, I'm sorry. You stutter. What did I do? You have altered the strands of space-time! But I, but I don't even know what space-time is! You protest. Then, you see it. It blinks on like a ride in a carnival. Threads, hundreds, thousands of them, all in brilliant colors of the spectrum, running in every direction all around you. Threads streaking off in the distance, curling back inside themselves, disappearing, reappearing, twisting, raveling, and braiding. Chaos of complication, and they're all changing all of the time, moving, growing brighter or dimmer. You can't make sense of it. No matter. It's beautiful. Is something bad going to happen because of me? You ask. That depends. Depends? Depends on what? Your worth. You will take a test to measure your worth. What kind of test? You ask, trying to sound strong. Do well, and I will save your family from the Yerks. Do poorly, and you will die. What kind of test? You ask again. The threads disappear, the darkness disappears. Now you're floating in a plain white void. You look down. Choose. Yeah, it's weird because it's not in quotations. <laughs> you look down in your hand. It's a remote control with two round buttons. One is marked A, the other's marked B. Oh, gee, what a choice. Reps, push button A or B. Uh, there's literally nothing I can see in this text that gives us any hint one way or the other. So A is the, the, the I have to move my mouth, the, the mouse rather the least to get there. Mm, I'm not sure about that one. Oh, you want to go B instead? I feel very strongly for B. Oh, let's do B then. I don't, but I wanted to cause uh, a fight. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I'm on I B, so I meet me on chapter 18, this no? The, this was the, oh, oh no, that's not a good sign. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wait, or... Is there actually two stories in here? Mm. Uh, legitimately, that actually might be the case. That'd be cool. If there was actually two stories in this Choose Your Own Adventure book. You mean we get to choose our own concept? adventure in this Choose Your Own Adventure? What a novel concept. Maybe. But <laughs> hey, that may just me being, um, you know, presu uh, presumptuous. What a concept. Yeah. I could use an actual story myself. Um, <laughs> the White Void vanishes... You're in a forest surrounded by trees and massive shoulder-high ferns. Bright, buttery sunlight filters in through the leaves. <clears throat> you jump. A grunting, snuffling sound is coming from behind you. You hear branches being pushed back. Something's moving. Something big. What's that? Cassie asks apprehensively. Axe turns in a slow circle, tail blade ready. I'll check it out. Tobias offers, being a bird in bird form. He flaps up through the trees. Crash. Crash. Still behind you, but closer. <laughs> Wham. Wham. The ground shakes with the impact tremors. Something's coming. Run! Tobias shouts. You don't have to be told twice. Crash. Crash. The earth trembles. You have to fight to stay on your feet to keep moving forward. <laughs> right behind you, you glance back. 
What you see almost makes you pee in your pants. You're being chased by... by a reptile. But... like a reptile out of a Godzilla movie? It's half the length of a football field and, si and the size of a small house. Its jagged teeth glimmer wetly. T-Rex?! You mutter in horror. Impossible. Crazy. And only a few feet away. <laughs> Run! Your heart is hammering against your rib cage. Your skin is covered in cold sweat. You're screaming, crying as you flee. Leaves slap your face. Twigs whip your bare arms. The others are ahead. You catch glimpses of them. Crash! Crash! You push hard. Run all out. The T-Rex is... I thought it said gaming. <laughs> this T-Rex <laughs> is gaming. Maybe the T-Rex is gaining on you. Maybe a foot away now. Crash! 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 A root catches your foot. You're flying, tumbling, then... You hit the ground hard. Sorry, you hit the ground hard. You can't breathe. Can't move. You're frozen from sheer panic. Down comes the T-Rex's head, hungry eyes locking to your gut. You can feel the heat of the breath on your face, and it smells rancid. This is the end. You squeeze your eyes closed, then... Choose your morph. Cockroach or wolf? The Elemist. What are you doing? You yell. Try to get me killed? You open your eyes, expecting to be safe. Expecting to see the world on... Pause. <laughs> Inches away from your nose. Powerful jaws roar open. You see rows of teeth. A sofa-sized tongue. <laughs> you scream. Crunch. The T-Rex chomps its jaws a hair's width from your right ear. You grab your ear with both hands, crying, trembling, choose. Roach or wolf? I have a thought already. Is it that roaches are too small to be at? <laughs> yeah. It is what in, in a fight between a wolf and a T-Rex, how in a fight between a roach and a T-Rex, you can just hopefully not have a fight. Now, I know it's not on the page, but it, it, I want the third option, touch the T-Rex. Mm. <laughs> and it's yeah. time for a T-Rex fight. Uh, yeah? We're not going to be stopped by uh, no yerks. If we're a T-Rex, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Chomp them all. Uh, um, roach, then? I think we choose Roach. I. I, it makes more sense to me. I want to be a wolf much more than I want to be a cockroach. Mm. But I also think that he has a couch tongue. And a, being a wolf, it's not going to make us less editable. Mm-hmm. Very, very fair. Also, we have been a canine in the last book. So That's let's true. join the it. plant kingdom. Yes. Plant kingdom? The... <laughs> <laughs> the insect I, kingdom. I accepted that so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about the plant cockroach. Uh, <laughs> you roll, stumble to your feet. What good is a roach morph? What good is any morph now? The T-Rex is going to turn you into dinner before you have a chance to morph. The massive head comes down again, so close you can see the pebbly skin. Look into one dark, damp nostril. And instinctively, you dodge behind a tree. You focus some small part of your brain on the roach. Imagine the small, easily compactable body. Imagine what being a cockroach represents. Actually, I would imagine it'd be resilience. Which yeah, actually, exactly. hold on, actually may be a good... I threw that in there as a jest, but honestly, they should have thrown it in there for real. Long to become it. 
The T-Rex screams with rage. Wham! Wham! It's coming around the tree for you. You can't hide. You can't outrun. You can't morph fast enough. Only one chance. You run straight for the gaping maw. Get splashed by dripping dinosaur saliva. Graze your back on the huge chin. You run through dinosaur legs as big as massive columns under a belly that rises above you like a low-slung, pebbly gray ceiling. The T-Rex can't reach you. Can't get its massive head under its legs. It leaps up and spins around, turning almost gracefully, except for the tree that it knocks over with its tail. As you run, you're starting to shrink. Four feet, three and three quarters, three and a half. Looking down at your feet, you see your chest cover with an armor plate of brown cockroach shell. It's disgusting, but at least it means the morph is working. You look around you in the forest, it looks like it's grown bigger. Sorry, that's a goosebumps. Um... Your fingers melt together. Next time you look, they formed a single, many-jointed bug leg. Splout. Splout. Antennas jump out of your forehead as you run out from under the T-Rex's tail. Your body is growing clumsy as your legs start to thin. Three and a quarter feet, three feet, two and three quarters. You hunker down, trying to hide beneath the ferns. Your waist pinches together. The lower part of your body swells to form a bloated insect abdomen. Your skull melts away. Your ears and hearing fade, making the roar of the T-Rex sound far away. Which is a good thing. Because the T-Rex is close. It's patiently sniffling through the ferns, searching for you with its Buick-sized snout. The roach mind bubbles up at the same time. Extra legs suddenly pop out of your chest. I'm cool. Actually, you know what? I want. What does the roach mind sound like, Raps? I'm cool. The roach mind seems to say. The roach is happy under the ferns. Calm, collected, and then chomp. It has you. Up, up you go. Two-foot roach impaled on an even bigger dinosaur tooth. High into the air. Wet, pink, warm. You're inside the T-Rex's mouth. Lolling in a pond of spit under its slab of a tongue. (laughs) Sorry, that sentence was wild for some reason for me. Mm -hmm. Somehow you manage to keep your concentration to keep morphing. Now you're a foot long, half a foot. You pop free of the massive tooth. You're ripped practically in two, but somehow you're still alive. The T-Rex clamps down, but now you're more roach than human, and the space between the dinosaur's teeth and guns seem like a huge pink cavern. Go towards the light, you think. Now the roach mind is starting to panic, to protest. You fight for control, you crawl right over the T-Rex's lip and onto its pebbly skin. Plus tickle. The T-Rex gives a massive swing of its huge head and sends you flying. Ah! Down, down, down. You catch a flash of blue, green, brown, thunk. You land on your back in the mossy soil, wiggling your legs in the air. You stretch, scramble, stretch, scramble, flip. You're right side up and alive. Killing a cockroach is hard. (laughs) Hell yeah. Sounds like a win. That Uh, does indeed. Chapter 20. You squish yourself down into a nice piece of moss next to the tree root. The roach body makes itself small, stays perfectly still. The T-Rex doesn't know you fell out of its mouth, and it's not interested anymore. It's found new prey. Watch out, Marco! It's coming up behind you! From your hiding place, you can't see what's happening to your friends, but you notice their calls and shouts are growing distant. Even the T-Rex's footfalls fade away. You're a bug alone in dino land. That's so good. Now what? Find the others, you think. That means demorphing. Has to. Catching up to them with a ro- as a roach would take forever. Reluctantly, you concentrate on your own body and feel the changes begin. 
Antennas dissolve, the roach exoskeleton softens into human skin. Extra legs wilt and slurp up into your chest <laughs> as you grow, God, as you grow up and out of your safe moss hideaway, zooming up to your own true height. A grinding sound as your bones grow back and join together to form a skeleton. A slish slosh as your stomach, kidneys, pancreas, and blood vessels all spring back. Your heart reappears and immediately begins to bang against your ribcage. Now you're a human alone in Dino Land. Oh my god, this page is cracked. <laughs> you walk and then trot and then start to run. You guys, wait up! You shout. Nobody answers. Following the trail isn't difficult. You can see the snapped saplings and crushed ferns where the T-Rex pushed through the forest. You can follow the dinosaur's talon prints. There's one every five or six feet. You run until your lungs burn and your sides ache. You slow to walk and trudge along. Your bare feet are bloody and bruised. The sounds of the forest terrify you. Twigs snapping, leaves crunching. Something scampering through low vegetation. The light under the trees starts to fade. The sky shades from blue to deeper blue to red. The trees around you begin to lose their sharpness. Twilight's coming in. The night. You have maybe ten minutes of daylight. Twenty, tops. Do dinosaurs hunt at night? You have no idea. You come out of the woods into what looks like a big pasture full of tall grass. You see a flickering light off in the distance, and you smell something. Smoke. And something else. Meat. You start to run. Jake, Cassie, Marco, Rachel, and Nax fill you in on their adventures while you chew on what turns out to be T-Rex shish kebabs. Here's the deal. Axe killed the T-Rex seconds before it killed Marco. Cassie figured out how to turn the T-Rex hide into food and shoes. <laughs> Rachel used a couple of twigs to start a fire. After eating a couple chunks of meat, you're starting to yawn big time. The run through the forest, the constant adrenaline rushes are getting to you. Your eyelids are hard to hold up, so is your head. The others are still talking, still discussing the situation. You stretch out on your side next to the fire. You make a pillow out of your hands and close your eyes. Almost immediately, you fade into a dreamless sleep. At first, you're not sure what wakes you up. You stare at the black night, roll over and blink at the blazing fire. Cassie and Axe are on their feet. Rachel shaking herself awake. Everyone is starting out and staring out in the darkness. <sighs> what is it? You ask, sitting up. Jake's voice. He's running out into the darkness. Everyone out of the way! He yells. Stampede! Stampede? Marco demands incredulously. But what is this, a, a cowboy movie? Move! Jake yells. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. I love these two options. What has cracked up Rito is our options here are you morph roach or you run. You you run or you morph roach. Or you, you belly jelly. You belly jelly. You bowels jelly. Arm spaghetti bowel jelly. <laughs> so... We know that the morph for Roach is resilient, but we also know the key weakness of the cockroach is being stepped upon. What's mm. a stampede if not just a bunch of threatening feet? Also, yeah, we we have established that they are slow. Mm. And this is a go fast moment. So Exactly. What if we became a wolf? Can we go yeah. I'm gonna write in my own option, you become a wolf and it's just yeah. sick as hell. 
I just, That's all it says. It doesn't trigger another page. It's just you become a wolf. It's sick as hell. You stay as a wolf for two more hours and you live a fun life. <laughs> and then you're just a wolf now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I wrote on my monitor on the PDF with Sharpie and it's not clicking. So, Dang. I guess we run. Maybe we should run. I want more wolf. <laughs> okay. Run. You run. Boom. 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 Jake is right in front of you. Axe in front of him. The others are right behind you somewhere. Uh, Glad my legs aren't as short as Marco's. You think? You can hear the dinosaurs closing in. Boom. Boom. A sound like rolling thunder, like a train bearing down on you. Boom. Boom. Here and there, you catch a fleeting glimpse of the herd. Long necks, huge tails, big and heavy enough to smash you like a steamroller. Your leg muscles burn, your lungs ache, but you push yourself harder, fueled by fear. A T-Rex! Tobias yells. Heading this way! Boom, 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 boom. Closer, closer, the thunder grows louder, surrounds you, the herd is all around you, you try and run with it. But the long-necked dinosaurs are faster, and they're also fueled by panic. Wham! The ground bounces, stumbling you to your knees. A long-necked dinosaur squeals in panic. A shadow that blots out the moon and stars, trembling, you turn and look. And then, chomp! Ah! You scream. Darkness, hot breath, a slimy rough surface beneath you. A tongue. You're in the T-Rex, you're in T-Rex's mouth. Go. Pressure on all sides. <laughs> Sorry, you're in T-Rex's mouth. Is it's just straight up what it says. Gulp. Pressure on all sides, squeezing you down and down some nightmare tunnel. You're being swallowed. <laughs> I go. I I go through the drive-through, and I say, uh, uh, "Yes, one Big Mac, please." I'm gonna put it down my nightmare tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually uh, alert the police. I think they lock off the uh, <laughs> the drive through and alert the police where you are if you say that. Ah, shucks. My nightmare tunnel. <laughs> Please. It will go unsatiated for another night. You're being swallowed. A bigger opening. Liquid all around. Water. No, no, no. Too hot to be water. Digestive acid. You're being digested. You're blind, deaf, except for the sound of churning and the steady bass drum of a heart beating. You grin up against... What the hell is happening? You grin up against warm flesh, up against something that feels like bones. The T-Rex's last snack? You're holding your breath. You don't want to breathe in battery acid. T the, the battery acid T-Rex has, they're just... They're, it's not the T-Rex. T-Rex <laughs> is his proper name. Sorry, T-Rex is his name, yeah. Yeah, Terrence Rex uh, has in its stomach. What can you do? With a desperate burst of energy, you try and claw your way out, but it's hopeless. You can't grab onto the smooth flesh lining of the dinosaur's belly. What can you do? The Elemus is only giving you one option, to morph. Roach! You begin to morph. Almost immediately, your oxygen-deprived brain calms down. Your thinking grows clearer. Roach bodies can live longer than humans without much air. You're growing smaller, now the churning of the stomach isn't so painful. You're alive, but for how long? Pass out, wake up, pass out. When you wake up the second time, you notice the stomachs have stopped churning. Your roach senses can smell fresh air. You force the roach towards the air, run, up a tube the size of a water pipe. 
<laughs> the dream tube. Run out into a cavern lined with sparkling teeth. Run across a plain of pink flesh. So the options were become a cockroach or just become a cockroach a bit later. Yes, but... There is a... Yeah, it is... The situation for when to be a cockroach is important there, for sure. Yes. Rito, um, also implied by this, though, the Elemist has only given you one morph, roach. We were asked earlier yeah. if we wanted to become a roach or a wolf, but what were we about to say wolf and then just, like, <laughs> get down on all fours and go, all right, time for wolf form, and then just get eaten entirely as we don't morph? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We were set up to fail. Yeah. I guess it is a test. You begin to demorph. Your human eyesight blinks back on. You can see that you're standing next to an enormous corpse. You're still only a few inches high. A dinosaur looks the size of an aircraft carrier. The others notice you. Hey! Cassie says. Oh, you're alive! Bailey. You say, still more roach than human. We all made it. Jake says, shaking his head. That's amazing. Who killed the T-Rex? You say. I guess I did. Jake says. How? It ate me. Jake says. So I acquired it and started morphing in its throat. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying. Oh, boy. Uh, everyone is buzzed with energy and nerves. You decide to keep walking, even though... Not to... No one even noticed it. No one even mentioned that that's, like, ridiculous behavior, Jake. Yeah. And also, like, how did we climb up? Never mind. I don't want to get too visceral with it. It's kind of like if you turn into a T-Rex inside the uh, the nightmare tube of the T-Rex. How, mm -hmm. how do we climb out of the nightmare tube? I don't know. Anywho, uh, doesn't matter. You begin to demorph. Where were we? Where were we? It ate me. Everyone's buzzed with energy and nerves. You decide to keep walking, even though it's dark. You trudge through the grass for a few miles. You stop and doze. You get up and trudge some more. Nobody knows where you're going, but somehow walking makes you feel better. Gradually, the sky lightens and the sun comes up. More trudging, and now you're beginning to think that sitting down and never walking again would be a nice plan. Oh, man, look. Jake says. I think we're coming up on some kind of big gorge or whatever you march up to it huge canyon you're on the edge of a valley hundreds of feet deep and miles across the valley's not empty down there spread across a mile of valley floor are glittering shining buildings and hovering over them is something that looks like a flying saucer a flying saucer and dinos now this is getting weird you can either pretend you never saw the city or investigate up until now, all of this was pedestrian. Yeah, this is regular. Become T-Rex in T-Rex, normal. Yep. I have seen aliens, and I am currently being tested by an alien that conceptualizes itself as effectively a yeah. god with respect to the human uh, species. Anyway, a flying saucer, though? I have seen aliens, alien craft, and dinosaurs, but aliens and dinosaurs being seen by me whoa now that's too far that's too far oh my uh i mean 
Is there ever a world in which pretending we never saw the city is a better idea? I don't know. My only thought would be like, is it a different ending? Like, is this really all I would have? It's like mm. we get the city ending or the not city ending. I think Maybe we, we should investigate. I think it makes sense to investigate. Let's do it. We've got to get down there somehow. You say? You know, investigate. Maybe whoever built that city can help us figure out a way home. Flash. The valley disappears. The prehistoric landscape vanishes. You and the others are sitting in the middle of an empty IMAX theater. You have the best seat in the house. Center seat of the center row. Cassie, Axe, Tobias are on your right. Marco, Rachel, and Jake are on your left. A tub of buttered popcorn sits in your lap. I'm in. There's a supersized soda ready to go down the nightmare chute <laughs> in the cup holder. <laughs> Marco picks up his cup. Sips. Coke? <laughs> you ask. Marco makes a face. Pub. Investigate. Oh, sorry. I read that and I was like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, we're going to do an investigate role. Like, I was like, I was like, this is Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I don't know. Just the way it was listed. Living in the future. Yeah. Uh, investigate comes the Elemis booming voice. Find a way. These are things humans do well. The house lights dim. The enormous curved screen in front of you fills with an image. A close-up of a nameless primitive man. His grubby hands are rubbing two sticks together. A lick of flame starts to grow, illuminating a face filled with wonder and fear. The scene shifts. You see a dirty, wild-looking woman tap-tapping a piece of flint against a stone to fashion a crude tool. Again, the scene shifts. You see men and women of all races weaving fabric and forging glittery objects of metal, collecting seeds, planting... Collecting seeds, planting seeds, making sails and canoes, and setting off to explore the waterways. Now the pace of the images picks up. <laughs> More toolmakers... This time, fashioning spears, harpoons, arrows, wheels, wheels of a dozen different sizes, wheels on crude vehicles, on potter's wheels, on lathes. And now the humans you see are starting to look different. More light in their eyes, a keener awareness. You watch them plot the motion of the stars, create the first irrigation system, stack up crude bricks to build shelters, then ziggurats, then pyramids. People wearing tunics and sandals invent screws, pulleys, levers, pumps, simple engines, water mills, plows, arches, vaults, domes, amphitheaters, aqueducts, tunnels, bridges, lighthouses, roads, compasses, fortnight. Now the images are coming faster. Castles, gunpowder, cannons, maps, clocks, ink, paper, movable type, printing presses, books, Pokemon Go, telescopes, steam engines. Incredible. Axe whispers. Now the images are spinning so fast they're just flashes. You see what has to be Benjamin Franklin with his kite. Edison with a bumpy-looking light bulb, then a sprawling city light up. New York. Streams of people in hats moving down a staircase onto a herky-jerky train. A subway in London or Boston or Paris. Delicate suspension bridges, trains, photographs, telephones, people climbing snow mountains, uh, probing ocean floors, riding into space in rockets, Images flashing by, blurring into one another. Airplanes, elevators, skyscrapers, cars, computers, plastics, drugs, medicine, TV, turn-to-page podcasts, lasers, robots, vaccines, satellites. Then the screen goes dark. The theater lights come up. That was cool. Tobias says. A bit too PBS for me. Marco adds. What does it mean? You ask. You have passed the test. The theater disappears. The Animorphs disappear. You're in the backseat of your parents' car, 
Your dad is driving and your mother's in the passenger seat. You're following a big yellow moving truck on the way to your new house. Mom? You say in disbelief. You remember everything. The battle in your bedroom, morphing, the howlers, the T-Rex. You also remember the new car ride. The car ride, this happened a week ago. Back before you ever spent a minute in your new school. Your mother turns around and smiles at you. What is it, sweetie? Nothing. You feel like crying. You have to do it all over. Now you don't ever have to go near that construction site. Now you don't ever have to discover the blue box. Unless you want to. You're given a second chance. I'm assuming that takes us back. Oh, it takes you to the beginning of the book. To oh. the very beginning of the book, yeah. So implying, I do want to know, we, we picked B. There's actually a different story. That makes sense. But is there an alternate end to this story? I'm just like randomly clicking. I don't know. There might be. Uh... Pretending that we never saw the city is not one. And I think the wolf morph is not one, which I think are our last two yeah. decisions. Morph Roach isn't. Okay, that is the terminus for that half of the book. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. So the question makes is... sense? It's basically like, can you get to the end? Yeah, it looks like there is... um. Yeah, no, there's straight up a different... There's two endings. There's two... There's two correct endings. So, it is twice... It is... There's twice as many endings in this Choose Your Own Adventure book, which does not, I want to say, does not make it twice as good as the first one. Makes it much more than twice as good, because it implies, you know, we actually had some kind of control over the story. And there hmm. were there were fail states. There were correct endings to each path, but it, like we kind of got to choose at least in the middle. It was much better. I will say, the reviews that said this book was much better than the first, I agree with strongly. As far as 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 a choose your own adventure book, I I do as well. But I'm also I. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, ultimately, so we keep the memory, right, of all of the things that have happened in the period of time, so we know how large the world is, but now we just don't have the ability to try and fight it? Yeah, I guess so. This, this feels like a mixed success at best. I think it does, but I also think, like, it's important to remember they wanted to keep going. <laughs> So, mm, and it's yeah, like, I think that the proper ending of serialized things, a clip, what is a cliffhanger if not a mixed success usually, right? Like usually it's like it wraps up something, but leaves you being like, well, I'm not satisfied all the way. So I do need to get mm -hmm. the next book. Right. Like, mm, so I think it's like that, that where it's like, I, at the end of the series is when you'd be like, okay, now I'm feeling, I feel all the way good. And I'd say it is, it, it is still good. Cause it's like, we're back. We know what happened and we can choose if it's the path we want to pursue now, which I think is, you know, like knowing everything that happened in that, with that, if you accept this, this blessing slash curse, you know what's going to come with it. You know, like the, the kind of things that it'll entail. And you can now decide if that's a thing you want or not, which I would say is mm -hmm. in the world of Animorphs, about as much of a success as you'll probably get. 
just going yeah. off of the whole um you know let's see where, where what was the Eric Swan on human bodies, strong legs, hands. <laughs> no, you spill blood, your blood gets spilled, brush up against death, change, warped until ever being average and ordinary again is an impossible dream. I'd say getting a mixed success in that universe is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely appears to be so. I, uh, for my own uh, mental satisfaction, uh, went and quickly checked the, the tone of the other true ending on the other path. Uh, and... Yeah, it's also a pretty mixed success. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's kind of like, that makes sense that that's kind of the vibe to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It felt more like a choose your own adventure book. Uh, not that, that, you know, there was really, it, it was kind of like, it's railroady in the sense that once you're on a path, once you pick the path A or B, you are going to get there if you want to get hmm. there, like just by, <clears throat> like with a couple choices. So like, is it, what I'm looking for fully, not necessarily, but I really like the writing in this one. There was a lot of lines in this one that were really fun. And yep. like, there's a lot that I'm like, oh my God, I actually really, I am an adult man. And that, the way you did that, like tickles my brain. And I like, I found it like well-written in like a, like a fun little way where I'm like, yeah, it's, I can tell that you are a good writer writing a story that's off the wall <laughs> mm -hmm. like and i really like it i i enjoy I, it i enjoy it i enjoy it i'm super glad that we read the second one because i'm coming away a, a fan <laughs> i think <laughs> and hey i mean it will be the the impression that you take on into the future there that's is not true. another one to change yeah, that fastest that's it that's it we're we're done with them past this one i mean there is I guess there's the other story, which maybe we can find some way to like do that as like a little bonus thing at some point, somewhere, somehow. Who knows if people mm -hmm. are in if people are interested? That could be a thing that happens. Is there is point probably point three of an Alternomorphs book out there at some point? Probably not enough. Like something I we have time for this this week here, but um, very very fun. cool to know that there that's there floating somewhere as um that's our mixed success ending. <laughs> <laughs> of this mm -hmm. double feature bonus episode. Uh, bonus. Uh, sorry, yeah, I did take it from you. Um, no, it's all good. Yeah, I didn't do the b -b 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 bonus in the first one, but oh well, then never mind. Then there you I go. I saved that bonus for this part. Yeah. Hey, Rito. Yeah. Do you want to give us a little bit of a teaser as to what we'll be experiencing now that we have completed for the moment the alternative series? Um, I you know you. In the future, we're going to be warped until ever being average and ordinary again is just an impossible dream, to be honest. Of course. Uh, and that is to say... We will bleed and we will, we will be bled. Yes. That is to say <laughs> we are returning to give yourself goosebumps for the remaining books in the series because there are eight special edition Give Yourself Goosebumps books which I think it's a little bit ambiguous. I think each one takes what that means a little bit differently, but generally it's going to be like a more like, I, I know that at the very least, the first one, I think them in general have kind of like an inventory system stuff. You actually have to keep track of theoretically, you know, like a little bit more of an actual, like an intentional challenge. Hopefully that mm -hmm. does not mean it's just a bunch of random malarkey. Uh, and it's called challenging. 
but we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. I know that people uh, hold them very fondly as uh, some of the better ones. So I, I I think it's kind of all been building up to that. And then we have eight books of that. And then we're, uh, you know, moving on to something else. Undetermined at this point, to be quite honest. Uh, but we will get there. Legitimately, I am over the moon with the prospect of this. The first one we're going to be running into is Into the Jaws of Doom. Mm-hmm. Special edition number one. Yep. It very, it's an ultimate very challenge. It does. But, you know, jumping on top of my house from outside is also an ultimate challenge. It's like, just jump from the ground straight up to the roof. It's pretty tough. So hopefully, hopefully it's fun tough. Uh, we'll see. I, I think it will be. I got high hopes. Uh, but alas, uh, do you want to, do you have your our little list of I wonderful indeed. individuals? Special thanks, of course, to the executive producer of this episode, Justice Tom, as a uh, hardcover supporter over on patreon.com slash turn to page cast. Thank you very much, Justice Tom. You are not Phoebe. Certified not Phoebe. Uh, thank you very much. Huge thank you to the Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash turn to page cast. If you help support over there, it really does help make the show better. We use the money very directly just to make the show better through software. The intro at the beginning from Christoph Jakob from giving mm-hmm. the art for like the alternomorphs here from sam carone 55 all of that buying some of the physical books as getting well, some of the, the physical books we still have uh i think we have one or two of the special editions we need to like actually purchase as well so like i believe so that stuff you know that comes from the patreon and it we'll just say not to be like very overly specific with it It'll take a while for us to recuperate what we've already, you know, what we've already invested into the the show. But that's just because we like doing this a lot. So anything that uh, that you want to help with over there is super super appreciated, uh, and it will already and immediately be useful. Uh, so hey, huge thank you to those that already true. have though. Extremely true, extremely agreed, and extremely thankful for those of you who are considering it. For those of you who would like to support the show, but don't necessarily uh, have the means or want to do so in a, a, a directly monetary form, you can also do so by subscribing over on youtube.com slash turn to page cast and sharing the podcast with friends that you think might enjoy it. Sharing it on social media as well. I, I know that someone recently shared it yeah. over on uh, on Reddit, which was exciting to see it posted as a project elsewhere as well. Thank you, thank you. Very kind. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's probably enough plugging at the end here. There's other things we could say, but huge thank you for listening all the way, that, all the way through, potentially listening up to this point if you're a return uh, listener. Thank you very much, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week for some return to give yourself goosebumps. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye. Adios.